project to reintroduce white-tailed eagles to the Isle of Wight does have its predictable moments. The eagles have landed. But there are still plenty of unknowns. You can't really think like a white-tailed eagle, so it's really difficult to know why they do what they do. All we can do, I guess, is, is watch them and, and see if we can put some pieces of the puzzle together. In the last podcast, we heard this year's young birds being flown south from Scotland by volunteers Helen and Graham Mountford of UK Civil Air Patrol. Yeah, just looking forward to seeing one in the wild, flying overhead. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to arrange for one to fly up and see you in Northamptonshire at some yeah, point. Yeah. Well, thank you very much and have a good flight home. Thank, thank you. you. The birds were settled into their cages. Straight onto the nest. It must be a relief to be on that nest after being in a I think box. so, Tim. I think so. Their behaviour was observed from a distance. What this, these CCTV images mean is that Steve's going to be able to keep a really close eye on them over the coming weeks just to make sure they're all, they're all feeding as we hope and they're developing as we hope. But it's always a very important day when you move the birds and, and so far it's gone really well. And six weeks later, the birds were fitted with satellite radios. It's actually quite physical work, isn't it? Holding these eagles and keeping them calm and, and doing the, the quite delicate work, putting the tag on. It is, yeah, because the birds are so strong. But yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating task. It's great to think that this data will be hopefully coming back to us for the next four or five years and we'll know exactly where these birds are, which is fantastic. Before being released over the Isle of Wight. The door for the pen's been lowered right now. And the three birds need to be Perfect, released. Nice and smooth, it's all good. One's, yeah. one's out, one's gone. Yeah. Two. So that's two out two. Now they're wild birds, so yeah. we're going to carry on providing food, but essentially it's up to them. So in these podcasts, we've seen them collected. We've seen them cared for, tagged and released. But Leanne Sargent, the senior ecologist for Forestry England, which is a partner in this project, reminded me that all this is just the start of the story. What was most exciting has been the in-between time, basically, from when we let them go last year, seeing some of those birds flying around in the countryside has been so exciting. Yeah. And that so is so exciting. true, actually, because I see the Scottish end of it, and mm. obviously you know, being married to Roy and people come and collect the birds and they're living with us for a few days, and so I, my focus is very much on the collection. But then... Yeah. Here, you've seen them flying free over the island. Yeah, and all the little trips out over the last year with Steve and with Tim, going to see these birds that we let go last summer, you know, out in the countryside doing their thing, being eagles. That's been really, really great. Roy Dennis has specialised in translocations for most of his working life. I suppose many people think that the release is the whole project, but in fact it's just the tiny start of it. But then what do they do for the rest of the year? And the fact that four of them have survived right through until they're over one year old is a real milestone. So in this podcast, we won't be focusing on this year's birds at all, but looking at a landmark moment which involves a bird from 2019. Tim McCrill works with the Roy Dennis Wildlife Foundation. He saw the data start to tell a really exciting story. Over the last two weeks, we've been seeing G3, watching G324 fly south, having spent two months in the Lammermuir Hills. As soon as I heard that that bird was leaving Scotland, I just thought, this is really exciting. But I wonder how far it will go. Will it actually go all the way to the Isle of Wight? Um, she's been slowly making her way down through eastern England and slowly but surely she's got closer to the Isle of Wight and then she was just in West Sussex and then she was seen um, in Hampshire in the South Downs and so it was it, she was getting really close and we were just waiting for the moment that she went back across the Solent and back to the Isle of Wight. It kept on going 
not fast, but it kept on going. It was just brilliant when it got to Sussex. You know, it could have gone to the North York Moors and joined the bird there. Or it could have gone via Norfolk and joined G393. Um, but no. And then the following day, when, when Lucy managed to see the aerial on the bird uh, feeding at the cages on the Isle of Wight. And that was a big moment. That was, that was really brilliant. Lucy is Lucy Allen. I could see the ring was tantalisingly just out of reach. Who was watching the CCTV in the Project Caravan on the 10th of September. She saw a white-tailed eagle which was not behaving like the usual visitors to the feeding station. This bird was walking around on the ground and looking up at the perches first before making a move. She then wandered down the field, hopped up onto one of the lower feeding perches and there started to eat. Um, using the camera, I could then zoom in and get a really good look at her. Um, so I took some pictures um, and sent them to the rest of the team. It's a really, really exciting moment because what this shows really categorically is that this young white-tailed eagle regards the Isle of Wight as home. You know, she did that fantastic flight up to Northumberland and then Scotland and got as far as the Firth of Forth. So, you know, we're talking about over 400 miles. Um, and then to spend two months in Scotland, you know, we, we began to wonder, would she stay up there? Would she go further north? But clearly the desire to come back to the place she regards as home was too strong. So over the last two weeks, she's flown south and when she flew up she did it really quickly but actually coming south it's been much more leisurely she's flown anywhere between about 30 and 80 miles a day but if you look at the map it's a pretty direct route back to the Isle of Wight so it's quite clear from the outset that although she's taken her time she knew exactly where she was going and now the fact she's back at the release site just kind of just proves that that is the place she regards as home and of course that's what this project is all about it's about establishing a group of white-tailed eagles who think of the south coast of England as the Isle of Wight as home. So, yeah, it is really exciting. Steve Egerton-Reed, the project officer on the Isle of Wight, is in the best position to observe what G324 is up to now that she's back. So you, Steve, are presumably seeing G324 every day? I see. I see her a fair, fair few times a week. I don't always see her because white-tailed eagles, even though they're massive birds... And you'd think you'd just see them wherever you went. They're really good at hiding. And uh, they, they sort of blend into the trees. And especially this time of year, I mean, it's still like all the oak trees still have their leaves. And it's, it's remarkable how well camouflaged a massive bird can be. So I don't see her every day. But when I do see her, it's quite clear who she is because she's molted considerably and her... Uh, Feathering is much lighter than it was this time last year, and consequently, it's much lighter than the uh, the birds that were released this year. Um, but it's very clear without even looking too carefully which birds are the older birds and which are the younger birds, just in the way that they behave. And the older birds have this this sort of confidence about them and this uh, almost this agility about the way they fly as well that the younger birds perhaps don't have. Um, and, you know, just, just the way they, they hold themselves is, seems so much more assured. So is she coming to the feeding station? She comes to the feeding station occasionally um, with G274, the other, um, other bird from last year's release that's still around. Um, but 
the last sort of week or so, she hasn't really come back to a feeding table. Whether that's because she's not really used to feeding off it or she's just finding her own food, I'm not 100% sure. But we know that G274, the, the male we released last year who's hung around, we know he's been very good at catching mullet from the estuaries on the island. Uh, one of the places that, that she likes to hang around as well. Um, but he's also been catching cuttlefish. So there's potential that she's catching cuttlefish. But perhaps most likely is that she's she's chasing, chasing down rabbits like it seems she was doing in southeast Scotland. Um, and there's still plenty of rabbits around on the Isle of Wight too. So like the bird from last year who hung around due to some four, she potentially could catch gulls as well. Are you still following her on the satellite um, tracker as well, so you can see where she is? Yeah, so we, we can we can watch her data and see where she's going, and it's it's no surprise really that um, she's gone back to some of her favourite spots on the island. Um, so you know, and, and the the other bird that's hung around most of the summer, GT74, still visits those spots as well. And and perhaps most interesting is that where he goes, she seems to go. So uh, you know, it's 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 not difficult to think how well this other bird has, has learnt the landscape of the Isle of Wight and maybe she's learning off him as well. It's amazing, isn't it, how they seem to teach each other? And and, and would that pair then, um, are they showing evidence that they might stay together as a breeding pair or is it far too early to talk about that kind of thing? Oh uh, Yeah, I guess it's probably a bit early to talk about that. I really don't know. Roy would know. Yeah, well, the fact they stayed together last year is... Yeah, that's that's significant. And uh, if they start going together again and travelling to the same roost sites, then that is a very encouraging sign for the future. If they stay together, they could actually start breeding in two or three years' time, and that would be a big step forward in the project. But even so, they're still very young. The marvellous thing about these projects is you, you, can't, you can't forecast what's going to happen will that bird stay on the Isle of Wight and then say no I don't like this and travel all the way back up to the north of England or will it decide I've had my long flight round and now I've found a really good place Um, my partner or you know the bird from last year is starting to catch fish in the estuary so I know I can catch fish and uh, there's plenty of food here, there's plenty of rabbits, um, and it, it will stay. I, I just don't know. It, it's, uh, with these projects, you've got to expect the unexpected. Everything looks normal, a bird stays in an area, and then for some reason, it suddenly moves. Next year, when we're releasing more birds, what we're really interested in is how many are still surviving and still remaining on the south coast. What we really want is more of them to recognise that the Isle of Wight and Hampshire and Sussex and the Dorset coast is now their home, what we call hefting, that they're hefted to the place. The 2020 release might have looked very similar to the 2019 one, but in fact it was quite distinct, as Roy Dennis explains. This year, young ones have a great advantage in that they've already met the two-year-old bird that's been living on the Isle of Wight. Now that is really important because then they think 
this is a place where white-tailed eagles live. The young ones from last year went into an environment where there were no eagles. This year is different. The other difference this year is that we were able to release them earlier. I think last year there's a tendency to want to hold on to them a bit longer and then we were worried last year because of cows week and we weren't sure how the birds would would behave with large numbers of people on the Solent in boats but in fact we needn't have worried but the result of releasing the birds earlier this year is that they've stayed much closer uh, to the release cages we've also improved the way that we've released them and we haven't insisted on releasing them at dawn we've done it later in the morning but once they found the second year bird and once they started to feed from the feeding tables where Steve was putting out uh, meat and uh, and fish for them uh, then we could see that they were holding together and that holding together is very important because they're kind of learning to live with other eagles of course they know the eagle that was in the same cage as them but the other ones they haven't met until they are released and it's building up that uh, mix of different ages different sexes that is important because white-tailed eagles unlike golden eagles are quite um, social last year's birds are, are very interested in in now uh, what these these new birds are doing and um I think it was a G274 actually came to see them in the, in the aviaries and the pens uh, only about a week before we, we started to release them. So you know, he, he clearly had an interest very early on. And then subsequently, since they were released, um, he's come at least three or four times a week to see what they're doing. And he's even he's roosted with them a few times. Uh, he's fed with them on the, on the carrion that we provide for them, on the fish. Um, and then... You know, G three, twenty four, who's who's just come back, has done the same thing, and um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how that interaction develops as the winter goes on, and and these new birds start to become more independent. That's the really exciting thing about this project: the fact that you know this is all quite new, and and, and almost each week we're learning something new about the birds, and the satellite transmitters are just so good because they just give us such a detailed insight into how they're moving around and then how they're interacting. Of course, you know, there's people on the ground, there's Steve, Lucy down on the Isle of Wight, but even with the satellite data, we're getting a good indication of, of how the birds are behaving. There's a bird at the moment, G393, I'm sorry, these names are not very memorable, but he's, he's in Norfolk at the moment, and, and I went across there and actually saw him, but saw one of the estates where he'd spent eight days, and we found the remains of several black-headed gulls that he'd clearly taken from a, a reservoir on the estate. So, you know, building up this knowledge is just really useful. So, you know, a combination of the satellite tracking data and our own field observations and, and research just helps to understand how they are living. Now, are these eagles still causing the interest they were on the Isle of Wight? Are people still craning their necks and seeing them as they go overhead? Or are they becoming part of the landscape now? I think people are still really keen to see them. I think I think a lot more people have seen them now than had this time last year. Um, but I think there's probably still quite a lot of people out there that are, are desperate to see one. And, and the interest seems just to pick up. And it, it's great 
Every, everywhere I go, people are asking about eagles and, and what they're up to. So you know, there's clearly a, a lot of interest in the project and a lot of excitement around these birds. I loved it that so many people said, oh, she was just near me, just near my house. I just missed her. And there's such a buzz, even when people don't see a white-tailed eagle, just to know that one has gone nearby. It's actually really interesting that, you know, she's flown the length of England. She's flown from um, the Lammermuir Hills all the way down through, through England, through Northumberland, Yorkshire, down through the East Midlands and then kind of the southeast. And in that time, we reckon she's only been seen by four people. So it is quite staggering how, you know, such a big bird, we've said it before, but such a big bird with an eight foot wingspan can, can go relatively uh, unnoticed. But as you say, we've had so many people say, wow, she was so close to my house. And, and that is something that's been really exciting about the first year of the project. The fact that these birds are now part of the landscape in, in England, not just southern England, you know, because they've wandered so widely, they're, they're part of the landscape in England. And, you know, it's, it's adding an element of wild that we've been missing for a couple of centuries. So, you know, I think that, that is, that's a really pleasing aspect of the first year. And it's great that so many people are excited to, to not just see them, but to know they're there. We've kind of got an idea now that the birds from the Isle of Wight, the young ones, might disperse over the whole of England and probably Wales, uh, but are likely to return to where we let them go on the Isle of Wight. They certainly know how to get back there. And it's rather interesting that the Irish project, Alan Mee released birds there a couple of years ago, and one of those went all the way to the, near enough exactly the same area in southern Scotland as uh, our bird. And after spending the winter there, it went back to Ireland. I think the important thing is you always learn if there's something new. But I think the basic um, principles of how we do it has not changed very much from what we did on Fair Isle all those years ago and especially on the island of Rum. I think the big change we made was when we started to keep the birds together in twos and threes in cages rather than solitary. And I think the other thing we've learned is to release the birds only a week or two after normal fledging rather than holding on for longer. Next year when we're releasing more birds what we really want is more of them to recognise that the Isle of Wight and Hampshire and Sussex and the Dorset coast is now their home. What we call hefting, that they're hefted to the place. What we're really interested in is how many are still surviving and still remaining on the south coast. And of course we'll be following that story to see what does happen next. For more information on this project and on others, go to www.roydennis.org or the Roy Dennis Wildlife Foundation's Facebook page. Thank you very much to everyone who continues to support our work. The music, Realness by Kai Engel, is downloadable from the Free Music Archive. <laughs>